90.7 WTCC. Good morning. Welcome to the Spoken Word. Bishop Swan in your radio. Reparations is the topic of discussion here on this day. Listen, listen, this conversation has been going on um, and um, it was uh, there was a hearing. Here's the thing. The hearing in Congress last week was a hearing to discuss the possibility of passing H.R. 40, a bill to discuss reparations. It, it, it wasn't even about passing a bill that would give the descendants of enslaved Africans and their descendants reparations of any particular monetary amount. It was a discussion on whether or not Congress should discuss reparations. And it was met with massive opposition. It's not just that white folks don't want to give blacks reparations. They don't want to discuss giving black folks reparations. I mean, how ironic is that? There's a verse of scripture, um, you know, that, 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 that I want to reference. It's Deuteronomy 15, um, the 12th through the 15th verses for all you evangelical Christians out there. And it says, and if, Thy brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee and serve thee six years. Then in the seventh year, thou shalt let him go free from thee. And when thou sendest him out free from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty. Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of your flock and out of your floor and out of your wine press. Of that wherewith the Lord thy God have blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him, and thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore I command thee this thing today. Even God says, since y'all believe the Bible, even your Bible says when, when someone is held in slavery, that when they're set free, you ought to give them reparations. But y'all, all y'all good evangelical Christians is out here talking about why should we have to pay? We wasn't alive. Slavery been over, y'all. It didn't affect y'all. The, 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 the son shouldn't have to um, be penalized for the sins of the father. All that kind of stuff is the stuff that pops up whenever we begin to talk about reparations. So, you know, one example I used for someone who was trying to debate me, and they used that argument, the son shouldn't be punished for the sins of the father. And so I use a simple analogy. I said, okay, so if the father comes and steals land from Native Americans— enslaves blacks to work the land, therefore enriching himself 
being able to build houses, schools, and wealth. And then he passes on his wealth to the son. You telling me the son shouldn't have to after inheriting wealth that was built off of stolen land and stolen labor shouldn't be responsible for paying anything? I mean, how's that work? Think about the logic of that whole argument. That was the argument that Mitch McConnell, Senator Mitch McConnell from Kentucky, the Senate majority leader used uh, when he was declaring the reparations issue dead. Um, and his autopsy cited the Civil War, Civil Rights Bill, a black president uh, saying, I don't think reparations for something that happened 150 years ago for whom none of us currently living are responsible is a good idea. He said that last Wednesday. Um, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. First of all, it's amazing how these conservative bigots are always talking about we's fought a civil war to set y'all niggers free. First of all, most of y'all would have been on the side that wanted to keep slavery. Now, remember, half of those who fought in the Civil War fought to keep black people as property. Okay? So let's not pretend America was fighting against some other foreign nation. Okay? Uh, they were fighting each other. All right? And half of those that were fighting were fighting so we could keep black people as property. So lose me on that. We fought a civil war to set y'all free. No, y'all did. And, and the same thing, you know, Mitch McConnell says uh, 150 years ago, none of us were alive. Boy, you wasn't alive when the civil war was fought. So you ain't fought nothing. Ain't no we. Isn't it amazing how they always use um when they talk to black people, you weren't a slave, you didn't endure slavery, but then when they go back to the same time frame, they say, we fought a civil war. Now, how the hell you want to divorce us from the horrors that happened to our ancestors and then attach yourself to the white folks who fought in the civil war? How does that work? How you get to connect yourself to what happened during slavery, but you want us to divorce ourselves from what happened during slavery. It don't make no sense. Um, so, you know, we fought a civil war. Uh, civil rights legislation was passed. Stop it, Mitch. Stop it. Because white supremacists and segregationists like you, if you were around, he might have been around. He'd been around a long time. I, I really need to look it up and see whether he was around. Would have voted against the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, and all that stuff. As a matter of fact, y'all been trying to overturn it since it was passed. Matter of fact, in, two, in 2013, 35 Republican attorney generals challenged the Voting Rights Act and the Supreme Court got rid of Section 4 
which was the formula that determined the states that had the most egregious voting rights violations that had to get preclearance before they could pass laws that had to do with voting. It got rid of that formula. So states like Mississippi, Georgia, South Carolina, other states that are egregious in voting rights violations no longer have to get preclearance. Because Section 5 was the enforcement that if Mississippi decided it was going to pass a law uh, for voter ID, for instance, then Section 5 would kick in and the federal government can say, oh, no, you can't pass that law. Put it on hold until you get clearance from the federal government. Well, that no longer exists. So now states, even those with a long history of voting rights uh, violations, can pass laws to violate voting rights. uh, And you can't even enforce the Voting Rights Act on the federal level anymore. So for all intents and purposes... The Supreme Court neutered the Voting Rights Act. Y'all been trying to overturn civil rights legislation since it was passed. But Mitch McConnell is going to sit here and cite civil rights legislation as a rationale for why we don't need reparations, even though we're trying to get rid of the very legislation that I'm trying to cite. See, this is the tricknology of these white supremacists. Um. Then he has the audacity to cite we elected an African-American president. Come on, Mitch. You know you didn't vote for no Barack Obama. You know that the people who follow you didn't vote for no Barack Obama. You know you white supremacists, bigots, racists, and conservatives did not vote for no Barack Obama. So what is we elected an African-American president? And then when he was elected, this same dude who is using Barack Obama for a prop against reparations said, and I quote, our main goal is to make him a one-term president. You fought for the first four years to try to make sure Barack Obama never got reelected. But you're going to cite the election of the first black president who you worked tirelessly against to make sure he didn't get reelected. And then even when he got reelected, you spent the remaining four years, like you did the first four years, trying to block every legislative act and everything he did. You spent eight years, Mitch, trying to obstruct Barack Obama. But you're going to cite the election of the first black president in your diatribe against reparations? Not only that, before Barack Obama was elected, The Senate had only obstructed and blocked the nomination of 67 federal judges nominated by previous presidents. I want y'all to grab that number. Before Barack Obama was elected, the total number of federal judgeships that were blocked by the Senate was 67. From all 43 previous presidents combined, 
67. Under Mitch McConnell as majority leader of the Senate, the Senate blocked 76 nominations by Barack Obama alone. Think about that for a minute. Under the black president that Mitch McConnell is using as a prop in his argument against reparations, he blocked 76 federal judge nominations under the one black president and under all previous presidents before Obama, only 67 were blocked in total. But you're going to use Obama for a prop. 413-736-2781. And the thing about it, once again, H.R. 40, the bill that they were discussing, is only a bill to discuss reparations. It doesn't even aim to quantify the toll of chattel slavery or the era of neo-slavery. It just wants to talk about, discuss reparations. So these folk are trying to block the discussion of reparations in Congress. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Morning, Reverend. You're on the air. How you doing? I'm good. Um, you're sounding great today. All right. Do you have a comment? Yeah, I think you're doing a great job today. All right. Um, I like the way you're standing up for Barack Obama, and um, there's negative comments about Mitch McConnell. I never liked him anyway. Absolutely. Um, Appreciate your call. Thank you. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Caller, you're on the air. All right, 413-736-2781 if you want to chime in on the discussion. And and see, here's the thing. Reparations is not simply dealing with slavery. Slavery isn't the say-all and be-all of injustices against black people in America. We're facing injustices today in 2019. It has never stopped since you first enslaved our ancestors. We're talking about the crimes of sharecropping, convict leasing, Jim Crow, um, all of whose victims are still among us, extrajudicial murder of black people uh, whose families uh, are still among us. We're not talking about just slavery. And this bill is just talking about the study of the subsequent de jure and de facto racial and economic discrimination against African-Americans, including redlining, educational funding, discrepancies, predatory financial practices, the, the, the stuff that happened a century after the Civil War, black people being subjected to relentless campaigns of terror um, that extended well into the lifetime of Mitch McConnell. Come on, man. Give me a break. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Yes, good morning. I just want to weigh it in on the subject that you're you're on right now. And um, when you're talking about uh, people like Mitch McConnell and all the rest of these cronies that surround, that's running away from everything that needs to be upgraded, um, 
from day one in this country and kind of all over the world, uh, these people that we're talking about, sir, is just takers. They don't want to give anything, so it comes right down to it. Uh, right now, um, we just have to stand up and make sure we get in position to vote these people out or just get rid of them because nothing's going to change. They're going to continue to take everything away and downgrade everything that's already been progressed to to make everything or uh, a level playing field in this country. They don't want to. They don't want a level playing field. Thank you so much for your call. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Caller, you're on the air. Good morning, caller. Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. Um, yeah, my point is the fact that you guys, slavery was terrible, but there were a lot of people that had a tough time in this. Oh, man, shut up. Get out of my face with that foolishness. I'm not even going to entertain that garbage. I'm I'm not even going to entertain that. I'm not even going to entertain it. Um, I, I I knew that's where he was going. It, it's always the what about argument that, um, yes, yeah, slavery was bad, but a lot of people had it bad. Let, let me help you understand uh, a couple of things here. Um, for everybody who's talking about my family didn't own slaves, my ancestors came as immigrants, why should we have to pay? They came to a country built and made rich on the backs of slaves. They benefited as a result of slave labor and the continued oppression of black people. That's the reality. When you talk about slavery was a long time ago, move on, get over it. Next week, y'all going to be putting on tri-cornered hats with white wigs and setting off firecrackers all over America celebrating the victory in the Revolutionary War while we were slaves, but telling us to move on and forget about our history while you all celebrate your history every single day. Y'all can lose me with that. For every one of y'all interjecting on this discussion about reparations, that your ancestors came here from Scotland and Ireland and Germany, and we had a hard time too. Let me help you understand that there is a difference between your ancestors choosing to come to America looking for a better life, choosing to come to America looking for work, choosing to come to America because of whatever was going on in their country. There's a difference between that and being forced to America, enslaved for 250 years, beaten, brutalized, murdered, and dehumanized, and then discriminated against ever since you were supposedly emancipated. There's a huge difference. We are not immigrants. Our our ancestors were not migrants. The Congressional Black Caucus had the audacity to put up something talking about the forced migration of Africans. There was no forced migration. We are not migrants not immigrants. There's a difference between your granddaddy leaving the old country and coming over here to make a better life for his family and my great-grandfather being forced into labor his entire life. So lose me with that crap about a lot of people had it hard. There's a difference between being enslaved for generations 
for your entire life and having it hard. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. You should deal with your anger issues. You you should get the hell off my line. 413-736-2781. A, a typical racist, white supremacist, white dude going to call here talking about deal with your anger issues because anytime <laughs> a black man talks about the history of you and your trashy, racist ancestors, white supremacy, you call it anger. It's righteous indignation. Learn the difference between the two. It's justified indignation. Good, Good morning, morning, caller. You're on the air. Good morning, Bishop. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good, sir. One thing I want to talk about is this. I think we lose sight of what that war was really, really about. It wasn't about freeing slaves. It was about the owners not paying their taxes. It was about the owners not paying their taxes. It was about southern states wanted to secede from the nation and, and Abraham Lincoln wanting to save the Union and who said and was quoted as saying if he could save the Union without freeing one slave, he would do it. Exactly. He also told the slave owners if they would pay 40% of their taxes that they could keep their slaves. That's what he told them. And not just that. To me, when slavery ended, it really didn't end. They just changed the name to sharecropping. They changed. Well, well, not only did they change the name to sharecropping and stuff, they also uh, remember, first of all, what most people don't know, Emancipation Proclamation didn't free the slaves. No, It it took a 13th Amendment, and even in the 13th Amendment, they made a backdoor to slavery. Because basically (laughs) what they said was – uh, slavery is abolished except for those who have been convicted of a crime. And so what could happen then was that all throughout the South, they were arresting and convicting black Broken people bars. for menial things and Broken then bars. and then shopping out their labor right. back out to white folks, which means they were still enslaved through the yes. prison industrial complex, which is just nothing but another form of slavery. That's why I'm saying it. It never really ended. And I just think what would have happened in this nation if the southern whites who owned slaves got together and say, OK, they want to pay our taxes. Let's do that. Then we would have been in a world of trouble. Absolutely. Thank you we for your call. Been. Thank you for your time. 413-736-2781. You need to deal with your anger issues. You need to. De- Boy, Please. 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 When black folk are murdered by police, profiled, nine times more likely to be stopped, to be convicted, to be sentenced to longer sentences. Uh, When we look at the disparities that exist in every facet of American life and consider the callousness of those in government, and in society, black folk got a right to be angry. You don't need to deal with no anger issues. You need to deal with your white supremacy issues. That's what needs to be dealt with. Clown, 413-736-2781. You know, um, you picked the right one. Picked the right one. Um, You can't call in here with that foolishness. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Hi, Bishop Swan. I just want to make a couple quick points. 
Uh, number one, the, the, the effects of slavery still exist today. And anybody who can't see that is an idiot because, I mean, everything about it uh, still exists. There's, there's still the oppression. There's still everything, the inequality. And reparations just seem to me to be a completely obvious way to try to at least come to some acknowledgement of what's been done and, and try to make a difference in making things better. Um, and then the other thing is the people who are against reparations are the same people who will sue the government for like $10 million if they don't think they got a parking ticket uh, fairly. And I just think it's all ridiculous, and I totally support reparations. Thank you for your call. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Yes. Um, I had uh, some reservations about the, your topic. You're talking about reparations until I read a book by Randall Robinson. Randall Robinson uh, was a founder, a founder of the political lobbying group for the, for the Caribbean and African Affairs in Washington, D.C. called Trans-Africa. In that book, the book is called The Debt. And, and, and Randall Robinson um, and Mitch McConnell should read this book and some procrastinators uh, of, of reparations should read that book. He methodically and, and, and systematically documents word for word, line for line, the argument for reparations. Um, and and, and uh, uh, just, just from, a, from a business point of view, um, if you go to the Forbes 500 wealthiest people in America, almost all of them, they got some special help. Absolutely. Um, and, and we don't think they did not get it. If, if they didn't go, to, most of them went to the Ivy League school. Facebook founder, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, um, Bill Gates, all of those folks, they almost all of them, and, and, and even, even, even Donald Trump. Um, who likes to beat his chest thing that he is so so smart, so proud. He forged documents of his father's will, Fred 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 Trump. This is in the New York Times, a cover story in the New York Times about uh three months ago. And and, 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 and if you want to go a step beyond that, you wanna go a step beyond that, if you talk about the Lehman brothers, you talk about Etna, you talk about um all kinds of other insurance companies, Brooks Brothers. You talk about any Citizens number of uh, Citizens Bank right downtown on Main Street, Wells Citizens Fargo, Bank Providence, uh, all Providence, kinds. Bank Providence. Absolutely, all kinds of U.S. businesses today um, that are Fortune 100 companies uh, benefited from slavery. Many of the insurance companies insured slaves. I mean, they, they, Citizens they, Bank and Bank of America were the, were, the, were the major banks that were financing the slave trade. And also, they, they had finance, they were financing the Confederate Party, I mean, the, the, the Confederate war machine on, on, on the Lee and Grant. So, oh, so, absolutely. The Rothschilds. I mean, you can name family after, and, and not only that, uh, uh, schools and colleges benefited off of slavery. Tons of them. Uh, and, and, and but then folk want to turn around and pretend that you've given us something. Um, uh, uh, you're not giving folks anything. If you steal labor for 250 years, 
And then you dehumanize the descendants of those people for 150 years thereafter. We're not asking you for no handout. We're asking you for what rightfully belongs to us. But Randall Robinson, he had he had spelled it out. Uh, and Randall Robinson is a well is a Harvard trained uh, attorney, and he spelled it out. He looked at it the, on on the legal side, on, on both angles of it, and and I was one over. And uh, I was thinking, how can you qualify it? Uh, but he had spelled it out very systematically, very very methodologically. And, and, and logic, logically. Well, you and know, think, the, um, the, the, there are some who say, and, and I don't know what the number is. There are some who are saying 14 trillion, 15 trillion, whatever the number is. When, when they gave reparations to Japan, descendants of Japanese interned, um, they, they, they calculated and they came up with a figure. Every time they've paid out um, reparations to any other demographic, they figured out a way to calculate it. But then they act like it's just completely impossible to calculate what should be owed to the descendants of enslaved Africans. One last, one last point I'd like to make. There was a survey by an organization in Washington, D.C. called the, the, the Pew Research. Uh, the, the, uh, they call it the Pew. And it's, it's like diametrically uh, different. Eighty percent of African-Americans believe uh, believe in reparations than Caucasians and white white Americans and other other non-black Americans think we got a lot of nerve like James Brown says some people we got a lot of nerve asking for reparations like the other caller said a few minutes ago thank you very much for, for, for your time all right thank you for your call 413-736-2781 413-736-2781 and for those of you who are who are talking about why should we have to pay, we didn't do it. Y'all are paying for stuff you didn't do and wasn't alive for every single day through your tax dollars. Like I said earlier in the program, America is still paying some of the descendants that are still alive today. There's an 86-year-old woman they just did a story about who is the daughter of a former uh, soldier in the Civil War. They're still paying her for her daddy's service in the Civil War that was fought over 150 years ago, okay, when none of y'all was alive. Black people's tax dollars every year are used or were used to pay for something we ain't had nothing to do with. When $2 billion were paid to the descendants of interned Japanese, there were black tax dollars in that. When $5.4 million were paid to the Aleuts of Alaska for America um, uh, putting them in captivity, uh, black tax dollars helped pay for that. When $10 million went to pay um, for the victims of eugenics in North Carolina, black tax dollars went to pay for that. Um, $40 billion every year, $40 billion every year is paid to veterans and survivors of all wars, going back to the Civil War, okay? When we were enslaved, black tax dollars go to pay for that. Every single year, $3 billion goes to Israel. And Germany is the country guilty of the Holocaust, not America, but $3 billion from America goes to Israel every year. $3 
black taxpayers help pay for that. But ain't none of y'all saying, why should we have to pay for any of that? But whenever the conversation comes up about reparations for the descendants of enslaved Africans, y'all always talking about, why should I have to pay? Well, we don't get the opportunity. We don't get the right to say, hey, you know what? Out of our, our collective black taxpayer dollars, don't pay no money to Israel. Don't pay no money over here. Don't pay no money over there. We don't get the right to say that. So if the American government settles on reparations for black folks, y'all don't get the right to say that we don't want our money going to them niggers. Because you ain't saying it for nobody else, no other demographic. You paying for a lot of stuff you weren't alive for. You paying for treaties that were signed before you were ever born, before your daddy was born. You paying for troops being over in other countries for conflicts that started long before you were born. But you ain't questioning your taxpayer dollars going over to pay for that. But when it comes to paying black folk, oh, no, no. Why should we have to pay? Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bishop. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Great, great. You're a good man. You got the right bully pulpit and use your show for a lot of good things, you know, uh, bringing the truth out. How about some of the local stuff going on in Springfield over the years? Like Bud Williams has talked about some of the money that's come from MGM not going to the proper neighborhoods. Okay, well, that's a different subject. I ain't talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about reparations. 413-736-2781. And nothing against what you want to talk about, caller, but, you know, you just can't call in the tail end of a conversation about reparations to talk about MGM. Uh, 413-736-2781. Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates gave a poignant argument in the hearing before Congress. He said that if Thomas Jefferson matters, so does Sally Hemings. Um, And he summarily dismantled um, Mitch McConnell's whole we weren't alive, we shouldn't have to pay argument. Um, And he did a fantastic job. Um, I'm going to read a little bit about it on it as I close out the program. Uh, and, and, and this was this was the testimony of uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. He said, yesterday, when asked about reparations, U.S. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell offered a familiar reply. America should not be held liable for something that happened 150 years ago, since none of us currently alive are responsible. This rebuttal proffers a strange theory of governance that American accounts are somehow bound by the lifetime of its generations. But well into this century, the United States was still paying out pensions to the heirs of Civil War soldiers. We honor treaties that date back some 200 years, despite no one being alive who signed those treaties. Many of us would love to be taxed for the things we are solely and individually responsible for, but we are American citizens and thus bound to a collective enterprise that extends beyond our individual and personal reach. It would seem ridiculous to dispute invocations of the founders 
or the greatest generation on the basis of a lack of membership in either group. We recognize our lineage as a generational trust, as inheritance, and the real dilemma posed by reparations is just that, a dilemma of inheritance. It is impossible to imagine America without the inheritance of slavery. As historian Ed Baptiste has written, enslavement shaped every crucial aspect of the economy and politics of America, so that by 1836, more than 600 million, almost half of the economic activity in the United States derived directly or indirectly from the cotton produced by the million-odd slaves. By the time the enslaved were emancipated, they comprised the largest single asset in America, $3 billion in 1860 dollars, more than all the other assets in the country combined. The method of cultivating this asset was neither gentle cajoling nor persuasion, but torture, rape, and child trafficking. Enslavement reigned for 250 years on these shores. When it ended, this country could have extended its hallowed principles, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to all, regardless of color. But America had other principles in mind. And so for a century after the Civil War, black people were subjected to a relentless campaign of terror, a campaign that extended well into the lifetime of Majority Leader McConnell. It's tempting to divorce this modern campaign of terror, of plunder, from enslavement, but the logic of enslavement, of white supremacy, respects no such borders, and the guard of bondage was lustful and begat many heirs. Coup d'etats and convict leasing, vagrancy laws and debt peonage, redlining and racist GI bills, poll taxes and state-sponsored terrorism. We grant that Mr. McConnell was not alive uh, for Appomattox. But he was alive for the electrocution of George Stinney. He was alive for the blinding of Isaac Woodard. He was alive to witness kleptocracy in his native Alabama and a regime premised on electoral theft. Majority Leader McConnell cited civil rights legislation as well he should because he was alive to witness the harassment, jailing, and betrayal of those responsible for that legislation by a government sworn to protect them. He was alive for the redlining of Chicago and the looting of black homeowners of some $4 billion. Victims of that plunder are very much alive today. I'm sure they'd love a word with the majority leader. What they know... What this committee must know is that while emancipation deadbolted the door against the bandits of America, Jim Crow, a series of racist laws and measures that discriminated against African Americans, even though these laws were enacted between 1876 and 1865, the effects of Jim Crow are relevant today, wedged the windows wide open. And that is the thing about Senator McConnell's something. It was 150 years ago, and it was right now. The typical black family in this country has one-tenth of the wealth of the typical white family. Black women die in childbirth at four times the rates of white women. And there is, of course, the shame of this land of the free, boasting the largest prison population on the planet of which the descendants of the enslaved make up the largest share. The matter of reparations is one of making amends and direct redress, but it is also a question of citizenship. In H.R. 40, this body has a chance to both make good on its 2009 apology for enslavement and reject fair weather patriotism to say that this nation is both its credits and its debits. That if Thomas Jefferson matters, 
so does Sally Hemings. That if D-Day matters, so does Black Wall Street. That if Valley Forge matters, so does Fort Pillow. Because the question really is not whether we'll be tied to the somethings of our past, but whether we are courageous enough to be tied to the whole of them. That was the compelling testimony of Ta-Nehisi Coates um, before uh, Congress um, this past week uh, in their hearing on H.R. 40. And, and once again, I got to tell you, um, what's really upsetting is the fact that it, it was a hearing on whether or not Congress should discuss reparations, not pay it out, not give a certain amount um, to the descendants of enslaved Africans, but just discuss it. They don't even want to have a discussion about reparations. They don't even want to talk about it. They want to shut the whole conversation down. And let's just be honest, you know, because many times white folks try to talk about reparations as handouts, entitlements. Let's just be real. No one has received more handouts, freebies, and race-based incentives and entitlements to help them get a leg up in America than white people. Nobody. Nobody. Every social program that was ever developed in America was not developed with black folk in mind. They were all developed with white folks in mind. Even so-called affirmative action the greatest beneficiary of affirmative action, white women, because they lumped women in with black folk. And now they've lumped LGBT and trans and a whole bunch of others in the group. So black folk have a hard time benefiting from affirmative action because so many other groups are now part of the mix of something that was supposedly designed to even the playing field based upon centuries of dehumanization of black people. So just stop it. Just stop it. You know, uh, for those who have benefited in this country because of their race, y'all got a hell of a nerve taking issue with people who want justice in this country, who were brutalized and dehumanized because of theirs. Absolutely amazing. You know, your ancestors got a leg up because of their race. My ancestors were not able to pass on wealth to their generations because of their race. And now that we're saying, hey, let's have some equity. You think it's injustice. 
and I and I get it because for those that are used to privilege, justice feels like oppression. Let me say that one more again for those way over in the back. For those that are used to privilege, justice feels like oppression. And that's why you have so many white men like the clown who called in here earlier having so many grievances because the poor white man got it so bad in America because these folk got the nerve to want to be equal with us. They got the nerve to want to get paid as much as white men that they are just as qualified as sometimes more for doing the same work. They got the nerve to want to get paid the same amount as we do. That feels like oppression to y'all, huh? I get it. Good morning, caller. You're on the air, caller. Yeah, hey, good morning, caller. Um, question, affirmative action is still in action? There are, there are in some places and in some states, there are still um, um, set-asides for uh, minority companies and businesses, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it, it still exists. But the unfortunate reality is it's been so diluted that it's not just about black-owned businesses, et cetera. Women-owned businesses now are part of that mix. And so what really has happened, and I've experienced this personally before, you know, I was full-time in the ministry, um, I, I used to work for a consultant firm, uh, where Samba certified companies um, could be, and I, matter of fact, I worked for one that was owned by a white man who made his wife 51% owner of the business, himself 49% owner, so it could qualify as a minority business. And then he went after and got tons of contracts that were set aside for minority businesses. So a business owned by a white dude. Getting, yeah, con- you know, getting getting contracts that were supposedly set aside for uh, black businesses to even the playing field. That those kind of games and technology still exist today. Right. Well, the reason the reason I I inquired was because I worked for EverSource utility company, and they only have hired in the last thirty years five black men, one black woman, and a few Puerto Ricans on the same playing field. And then I have a friend that works for the phone company, Verizon. Same thing. They don't represent the areas of which they serve. So they're not hiring minorities. So- well, see, 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 see the, old, the, 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 the catch to, to this is back in the day here in the city I live in, we pushed yeah. Mayor Mike Albano to uh, sign an executive order uh, that there would be a set aside of 25% of contracts for all goods and services to minority businesses. Um, But the language of that was that these companies had to make a good faith effort 
to hire blacks and other minorities and give subcontracts to black owned businesses. And, stuff. and so if they could demonstrate to the city, well, we tried, but none of them applied or we tried and none of them were qualified. They could not hire blacks, not give subcontracts to blacks and still meet the muster of the executive order. Cause they could show that we tried. And and that goes on with businesses all over. They use that excuse about not being able to find us or none of us being qualified, et cetera. Yeah, well, I know I know of several minorities, as in black men and women, that applied at Eversource and have not got not got hired uh, and did well on the interviews, et cetera. But for some reason, they didn't get in the door. And you know, then they have a no nepotism policy. Yes. I see one after the other after the other children working there, being hired, et cetera. So in Springfield, our utility companies um, aren't representing the areas in which they serve. And that's something that needs to be addressed, and that's something we'll definitely look into. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. 413-736-2781. Reparations are in order. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Bishop, Bishop, I am enjoying your show. This, this must you be Rosemary. So who, who am I talking to? Oh, well, you're talking to Cynthia Butler. Okay. So, that, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, this is the first but time you ever you called made, in. I want to talk about the, the last point that you made about justice feels like oppression. All right. And you know why that is? Because of selfishness. When you're selfish... You only look out for self. You don't want to move over. You know, this is, this, this is the term that I use. It's time to share the stage. Move over. You know, you can't have all the limelight. You have to move over and share. Absolutely. So that is my point of um, the bullet that you made, justice feels like oppression. And there's another one that you uh, mentioned. You talked about reparation. Okay, when you were talking about reparation, it, I mean, how do you repay a group of people when we go too far back? You mentioned some good points about um, our the, what we've done, our ancestors have done, and we are... Um, we need well let me let me let me put it like this let me put it like this when okay. when 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 america wants to do something it can and it does and it figures out a way That's um true. Uh, when they pay 2 billion dollars to the japanese they figured it out right and yes. and 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 several um uh, uh, things that they've paid out in terms of land and treaties to Native right. Americans when they when they decided to pay thirty two million to the Ottawas when they decided, you know, they were going to pay um, um, monies to the Alaska Natives. Um, mm-hmm. that they, they figure out, you know, a yes. dollar figure of of how to do it. They don't yes. want to figure out how to pay the back. descendants of Africa. And it's got nothing to do with it's too far back. You can, well, you can quantify it. it. You, can, you can quantify the number of, of, of descendants of those yep. who were enslaved. Yep. Um, you, can, you can quantify that number, and you can, can quantify, quantify you know, a figure 
to give them, just like they decided we're going to pay $20,000 to each yes. uh, descendant of Japanese that were interned. You can figure that out and yes. calculate it out. They don't want to. They don't want to with us. 